was lovely to be here with you and to and to share. Um, a little while ago, I was. Uh, this is when we we're living in Ringwood. We've just shifted to Hillsville, but when I was living in Ringwood, I was walking through Eastland, <clears throat> and I bumped into a couple of guys. And you know, when you see someone that you recognise, but the computer screen in your mind is blank as to regards to where and what their name is. And uh, I'm afraid, uh, I must confess this, many, many times I conduct conversations with people and about 15 minutes later when we get in the car, Pam says, who was that? And I say, I do not know. <laughs> but on this occasion, maybe I was feeling deeply spiritual, I don't know, but after 45 seconds I thought, no, I cannot go through this charade. I said, look, I'm, I'm awfully sorry. Um, I know I know you, but where is it I know you from and what's your name? And the young guy looked at me and he said, I'm your next door neighbour. <laughs> Do you know when you feel as though you've got nowhere to go and your hide is nailed to the shed and you feel incredibly helpless and words are not going to cut it? On a much more serious note, um, uh, a guy actually did internship with us many years ago, uh, was working in a secondary school over Danny Way. And uh, he told a mate of mine of a situation where a young girl was being sexually abused by her dad and by her dad's mother, which is a repulsive thought. And so he reported it to the police uh, the police were called in and then the girl backed away from it and yet my mate said he knew that it was still going on and that he couldn't sleep at night. He just felt so helpless. Um, just last week, um, just where we live in Hillsville, there's a, a hill that comes up like that and then goes down like this. Uh, two guys on mopeds, you know those sort of little motorbikes that uh, posties ride, came flying over the top of the hill and a lady was backing out in a car and the guy laid it down flat, went straight under the car and was killed, didn't have a helmet on, um, has a baby uh, and a two-year-old and of course a wife. What do you say to that wife? That sense of helpless can hit us in a variety of different ways, can't it? And unless this is a very unusual congregation that I'm speaking to tonight, there are some of you here tonight, and for whatever reason, be it financial, be it relational, be it spiritual, be it an addiction, be whatever it is, you know, like I know, those moments of helplessness that come into your life. And I'm here tonight to tell you there is an answer. What I'm going to say tonight is very simple, simply because I can't speak profoundly anyway. But uh, I think for us to know how to face those moments of helplessness in our experience, it's a good thing to understand why Jesus is our Redeemer. And... It doesn't take much of a 
theological genius to open up your Bible and find that Redeemer is associated with God frequently. Um, let me give you some well-known verses. And probably one of the best known in terms of Redeemer is Job, who says, I know my Redeemer lives in Job 19.25. David says in Psalm 19.14, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. See, God is associated with the Redeemer. And Isaiah frequently says it. Let me just throw you out a few verses. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. Um, and again, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And again, Psalm says, he himself will redeem Israel. So when, when we open up our Bible and, and we start to look for Redeemer, we see that it is automatically associated with God and, of course, in particular with Jesus. But for us to appreciate the word Redeemer, we need to understand that in the Old Testament there is a very real connection with slavery. Um, you you will recall that when uh, Abraham and all of those went through those, you go through those four patriarchs and you move into Exodus, that um, the nation of Israel was born in Egypt. And of course they multiplied and multiplied, and you know this story well, until eventually a pharaoh came along and the pharaoh said, enough. This population is so great, it is a threat to us. And so um, he brought in some draconian measures. Now, I want you to appreciate this. Imagine if our government said, okay, anyone of Asian descent in Victoria is immediately to report down into central Melbourne, doesn't matter whether you're male or female or how old you are, you are to report down now in a central Melbourne and they put them to work to build the much promised <laughs> railway link from Melbourne to Tullamarine Airport. They are to have no heavy um, machinery to help them at all. All they're to have is to have a shovel. And if they do not achieve what is set out for them each day, they will feel the literal whip and lash of this government. And then not long after, you open up your paper, whether it's Australian, the Herald, or the Age, or whatever paper you read, and sprawl across the top of the paper is this astounding statement. We give permission to the residents of Victoria that if you see any Asian boy under the age of two, you are to take him and you're to throw him in the Yarra River and drown him. There are days when you walk past the river and you see the bodies of these poor little dead Asian kids. Can you imagine that? It's, it's unimaginable. But that's what was happening to the Jews when they were in Egypt. They were enslaved. They felt the whip 
and they cried out to their God. And when they cried out to their God, listen to what the Lord says. He says, I am the Lord of Israel. I will free you from being slaves. Now get this. I will redeem, there's the word redeem again, you. So when we're trying to understand God as redeemer, we need to understand that when we're talking about this almost ancient word or almost purely a church or a biblical word, we're talking about a connection with slavery. Now, of course, Jesus is described as a redeemer. Keith Green, many, many, many years ago, probably before a lot of you young ones were even born, wrote a famous song called Jesus, Our Redeemer. And Colossians says, in whom we have, just as Jesus, redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is our redeemer. Now at that, you should get upset that I say that. (laughs) Because you know what that means? If he is your redeemer, then that implies that you are in slavery. Because the word redeemer is always connected with slavery. So when we're talking about Jesus being a redeemer, to us folks that uh, live out here in Eltham, we're talking about him in terms of you as a slave. Um, I must confess I chuckle sometimes at some of the grossness of some of the verses of scripture in the Bible. I don't know whether it's my inane sense of humour. But listen to this verse. Now tell me if this doesn't make you feel just a tad repulsed. You ready? Here it is. As a dog returns to its vomit, so does a fool to his folly. <laughs> now, how does that make you feel? Have you had dinner tonight? <laughs> Here's it. You've seen it. I've seen it. A dog vomit. <laughs> and then it goes and licks it up. And you go, yuck, I can't look. <laughs> that is repulsive. It's licking up the very stuff that's making it sick. It's crazy. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 2.11. A sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in the mud. You got the picture? Lovely, great, big, muddy, dirty pig. And I bleed him in here over your lovely, great papa and I put him there and I get the carcher out. <laughs> Wash it all down. Then I get a nice pink bow and I, I tie it around its neck. And I say, okay, Porky, I'm going to put you out in the car park. What are we going to find in half an hour's time, particularly after the weather that been like now? It's going to be dirty. <laughs> because the nature of a dog, when it vomits, is to lick it up, and the nature of a pig is to wallow in mud. And your nature and my nature outside of Christ is to go our own way. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to our own way. 
And in going our own way, you and I have put chains on our behaviour and on our soul. It's a funny thing. Um, I'm going to be, uh, next year, on December the 12th, I've got to remember this, I need to re- not forget this, I will be married 50 years. Now, this is a sad confession, but for 49 years, my wife has said to me, when I take my socks off, Robert, when you take your socks off, you do not leave them inside out. You make them outside in, whatever that means. <laughs> and, and I say, oh, dear, I'll put them together like this. She says, I do not want them together. I want them the right side out and I want them in. Now, this is sad. Tomorrow morning or tonight, when I get in bed and take off my woolen socks, I have to consciously think, now these, how many days have I worn them? Like 15, that's probably long enough. I need to change. <laughs> I'll take them off and I consciously have to think, I must, yeah, habit's a funny thing, isn't it? Okay, don't, I guess when it's socks, it's not overly important unless your name happens to be Pam Coyle. But if it's if it's an attitude of anger to someone who's wronged you, and every time their name comes up, it presses a button inside of you, and like that dog, you go back to the vomit. That's more serious, isn't it? Or in those secret moments when you look at stuff that you shouldn't look at and you say, I won't do it again, and you do. All of us, I don't care who you are or how long you've been a Christian or whether you are a Christian or not, all of us have areas where we struggle and we know what it's like to have chains and we can be enslaved to that which we know is wrong. And you know how that makes you feel? Helpless. True. True. Man, the number of times I've, I've had a mirror in my mind and said, Lord, why have I done this again? Or is it only me that does that? And I said, when will I learn? You know, keep my mouth shut. Whatever it might be. And um, normally that's followed by massive guilt. And there is a sense in which the whole of humanity is on the slave's block. And no matter what it is that enslaves us, we need a redeemer. And Jesus is that redeemer who comes to us in our helpless state. Now listen to this, I am... I was trying to sort of, as I was preparing this, trying to think, I wonder what it was like for a Negro slave during the 1800s to face the slave's block where they auctioned them off. And I got hold of um, something written by a guy called Peter Randolph who was a Negro slave during the 1800s. 
And he wrote, and you're going to have to forgive because it's going to sound extremely racist what I'm about to read, but he wrote this. This is the words of a Negro as he experienced and as he watched on at the auctioning of a 17-year-old girl called Lucy. She's the daughter of the mother who's had nine children and she's about to be separated from her family. And he quotes the auctioneer. Let me quote it to you. Here, gentlemen, is a fine girl for sale. How much for her? Gentlemen, she will be a fortune for anyone who buys her that wants to raise niggers. Bet up, gentlemen. Bet up. Fine girl, very hearty, good health, only 17 years old. She's worth $1,500 to anyone who wants to raise niggers. Here's a mother. She's had nine children. The rest of them are sold. How much, gentlemen? How much? Bid up, bid up. And he goes on and says, poor Lucy is sold away from all the loved ones and goes to receive the worst of insults from her cruel taskmaster. The poor mother stands by heartbroken with tears streaming down her face. That scene would have been repeated time and time and again. But imagine if it was you and me that were standing there and and we had $1,500 and we went up and said, we'll buy Lucy. To redeem her would be not only to pay the price but to say to Lucy, you are free to go. Because a redeemer is a person who pays a price and gives freedom. You feel as though you need that in some area of your life tonight? Oh, if only I could have freedom from. That's what Jesus does as our Redeemer. And of course the price that he paid for our sin was his death on the cross. You know this story as well as I. God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus is our Redeemer. And look, it doesn't matter whether you come to church every week, twice on Sunday, or this is your first night in church, you need a Redeemer. It doesn't matter if you've got a gold Visa card with a zillion dollars credit on it or you haven't even got a baked bean to pay for whatever you've got to pay for tomorrow. You need a redeemer. It doesn't matter whether you have got such a Christian heritage that your great, 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 great grandpappy was some great man in Christendom or that your great, 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 great grandmother was a prostitute. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. You need a redeemer. doesn't matter what your colour of your skin is, what your nationality is. You need a redeemer. The world needs a redeemer. That's why this guy's over in Japan telling people about Jesus because Japan needs a redeemer. So does your next door neighbour. That guy that you wave to across the park there that you see every day. 
needs a redeemer. Why? Because we've all sinned and sin makes you helpless. And the heart of God beats redeem, 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 redeem. Oh, whatever area of your life that you're feeling helpless in tonight, Jesus is your redeemer. Now, it wouldn't be a Rob Crawl message without a prop, would it? I want you to imagine, I'll stand up here for this one. Oh, dirty old milk crate. But um, I want you to imagine this is the slave's block, okay? It would not have been a plastic milk crate. <laughs> I imagine it would be like a large lump of wood that's been cut out. And um, and uh, you're standing on the block. Hey, you haven't got your latest clothes on. In fact, you've got barely anything on. Oops. And as you stand there, you're up for sale. Imagine that. And imagine instead of us being in a church building, we're in like an old wooden rustic barn. And the place is filled with buyers. And there you stand. You're not even worth, in their minds, the chair that you're sitting on. You're about to be sold as a slave. Imagine what that would be like. And as you stand there, feeling nothing, worth nothing, the auctioneer starts the bidding. And you look around the crowd, and as you look around the crowd, you're looking for just one friendly face that might buy you and at least give you some semblance of a good life, but there's none. Someone bids over here and they start off with their, their bidding in silver coins and then it moves to gold and you look around and every person that bids for you, you hate the look on their face because you just know you're in for a terrible existence with any of them. And as if things couldn't get worse, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like suddenly the environment, the atmosphere in the, in the barn that you're in goes cold and, and winding his way down through the crowd is this dark figure in black attire. Crowd steps aside. He stands by the auctioneer and he says, I bid death. And everyone recoils at the bid of Satan. And there's a horror, a fear such as you've never felt before overcomes you. And as you stand there and there's this silence, then you look up again and walking through the door, it's, it's a figure so bright 
and so light that you can barely look and he cuts through the crowd like a hot knife through butter. And he comes up and he stands beside the auctioneer. He looks you in the face and he looks to the auctioneer and he whispers in the ear of the auctioneer. And the auctioneer says, sold. And he comes up and he takes the chains from off you and he takes you by the hand and he starts to walk with you down through the crowd and you're about to ask him, what did you bid? And you, you look at your hand and it's covered in blood and then you look at his hand and you see that it's nail-pissed. Because Peter says, you were purchased, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. And you are free. Free. Do you ever, ever have moments when you think, no one really cares about me? I've spoken to hundreds of teenagers over the years and often they feel that in terms of their family. Sometimes it's imagined, sometimes it's very real. Or you're in a work situation and you think no one takes notice of me. Maybe even in a marriage you feel like that. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you are worth the death of Jesus. How precious are you that you are worth the death of Jesus? And he comes and he comes tonight and he says, take my hand. Will you surrender your life to me and know the freedom from the helplessness that you currently feel? I just got this sneaking feeling, I may be wrong because I'm in a church, that probably a good proportion of you already put your hand in the hand of Jesus. True. And you walk out tonight and say, well, that was interesting. I don't know whether I'd use a milk cracker or not, but yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> but are you going to walk out, even though you know Jesus tonight, and still feel helpless? In whatever it is, maybe in terms of some sinful stuff, but it may be just in terms of you feel you are in a dark place in your life and you are helpless. And the Jesus who you originally put your hand in his hand and trusted your life has got his hand out tonight. He says, come on. I redeemed you. Will, will you. will you put your hand in mine now? I'm here to save you and to take you through this. Will you trust me again? Does that echo in your heart? Or it may be there's someone sitting here tonight and you haven't, you, you know, you know about Jesus. You know about God, you know all about him, but you don't actually know him. And 
tonight you need to put your hands, your life in his again because you are worth the death of Jesus. So I'm going to close and I guess there'll be a hymn or something in a minute, a song. But before I close, can I do this? Can I pray? Um, the band could just stay there while you are, while I pray, then we can wait till you get up and look as you get up. <laughs> but um, I just have that feeling that there might be at least one person here tonight. And tonight you want to say, Lord, I'm helpless. I want to put my hand again in yours. You're my redeemer. Let's pray. And in the quietness of this moment, if you're thinking, that's me. And I need Jesus again. Will you pray something simply like this, Lord? I haven't been trusting you like I should and I want to trust you. All over again by giving my life to you. Afresh. Tell him that. Lord, I want to give my life afresh to you. And then you pick up that area where you're feeling so helpless. And in your mind's eye, hand it over to him. As you hand yourself over to him. Why don't you do that? And then lastly, say to him, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me and that you died for my sin. Tell him that again. You may have told him that many times, but tell him again. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. You died for my sin. And I've been worth your death. Tell him that. Father, you see every heart that is bowed before you. And Lord, you, you love each one of us with a love that we can never comprehend. And oh Lord, we want to love you back by giving ourselves afresh to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name.